I have to confess to you, as wonderful as everything has been this morning, the music, everything, the greatest gift this side of heaven is you being here. I agree with Gina. This feels like church. It's been a long year. It's been a tough year, but you were faithful. You, you stood by and you supported your church. This morning, before I even arrived here, I received seven text messages from friends that listen to us all over the state of Alabama. Uh, and it tickles me that they all said the same thing. We would give anything to be there right now. But we're watching and we're praying. So thank you for being here. You're the blessing of Easter to us today. And we're so glad that, that we're seeing this virus heal its way back and go away. And we pray that it will never, ever come our way again. I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you available? Are you available to make a difference in the life of someone somewhere? Because after all, we're not gathering together for you to be entertained. We're gathering together for you to be prepared to go out into a world and to make a difference. I've told you before that the Danish theologian Soren Kierkegaard said a couple of hundred years ago that the reality is this is not the stage and we're not the ones entertaining anyone. You're on the stage. And God is observing you. He's watching you. As wonderful as, as, as that was, it oh, gave me chills. God's watching them and listening to what they think. He wants to know what you're going to do with what you absorb in your soul today. You're going to keep it? You're going to make a difference? What are you going to do with it? That's what God is concerned about today. Now, I grew up watching heroes, and I had a lot of heroes when I was growing up. I, James Arness, Matt Dillon. Matt would have been perfect if he and Miss Kitty had married, but they never did. But he was my hero because he always came riding up at just the right time. John Wayne, of course, will always be my hero. Gary Cooper, Clint Eastwood, and lately, for the last ten years, Val Kilmer. Let me tell you, Doc Holliday is something. We all love a hero that rides in and saves the day, but the reality is Jesus is the true hero that rides in. Notice all that happens to him. He rides in in his mother's womb, prepared to be a savior. He rode into Bethlehem here at, 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 at the triumphal entry. And last week we looked at the prophecy that was found there in Zechariah. We also find it in another passage where it talks about how he will come. God loved his chosen people so much that he kept giving them little hints about when he would be here and what he would do. And that was one of the little hints hundreds and hundreds of prophecies to let them know. It, it was almost like a scavenger hunt, but they lost their focus on it. They forgot. And we look at these things and wonder, how did they miss this? Well, they miss it the same way that sometimes we miss things. God wants us to be focused on His truth and listen carefully, but it's easy, so easy to get distracted. 
Jesus will write in again in the book of Revelation. In Revelation 19, it says, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider was called Faithful and True. He will come in that time, not humble, but as a ruling king of the world. And he will eliminate and do away with all sin and wickedness. That's our God. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And He's here for you and He wants you to be involved with Him. You decide right now what you do with Him. We'll go home and the little children will have to very carefully get out of their outfits that were chosen perfectly for Easter. And then get into something where they can slide around on the grass and find all those eggs. I hope you do that later. We don't want kids full of sugar in church, you know. I, I keep listening over there. I, I hope things go well next door. I'll tell you, what a blessing to see all those children and how open their hearts are for truth. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to have that openness right now? Are you willing to listen to what God says to you? Jesus will come riding into your life if you'll let him. Some people don't want that to happen not that they reject what he represents it's it's that they're just not ready they're like a little kid on the high diving board with all their friends watching and they're out to the edge and their little toes wrap around the end and they look down and boy that's a long way to the water I wonder if it'll hurt they'll stand there and stand there and stand I know I was that child when I was six years old the only difference is I was pushed over the reality is many of you are standing on the edge of fulfilling your destiny for Christ. And you keep waiting and waiting and waiting. Don't do that. God has given you the present time, the precious present, to do that, to serve Him. How will you receive Him? I've heard it said that next to rejection of Christ, the worst thing you can do is delay acceptance because we don't have any understanding of what is ahead it's amazing that that Matthew here records such a matter-of-fact situation as Jesus comes in and some people recognize who he was but believe me once he rode in there were people all around the old city that didn't know what was going on there are folks that didn't know about the crucifixion it was just another crucifixion that the Romans had instituted upon these people that they were occupying the reality was that day an amazing thing happened God for us performed the miracle that no one else could do now I'm going to ask you a question this morning and really this is what it's all about number one what do you get out of your relationship with God if you keep him at arm's length, he'll make you feel good. You might read a devotional and think about it. You might pray occasionally. You might have him off in the corner like a fire extinguisher. You know he's there in case you need to go and get him and get through that tough time. What do you get out of your relationship with God? You see, that's what he truly wants us to understand. Check your motives in life and why you're here. We come to God because He's a source of life, but we come to Him because He's the source of the only life we can ever really have. 
we get easily distracted sometimes. We have to remember that, that He is God and we're not. And we're helpless without Him. And, and even though we would like to be in control of our lives, just about the time we think we're in control of our lives, everything falls apart. And we're not sure what happened. Some people blame God. Some people get up, dust themselves off, and try again, and still don't trust Him. Reality is, we should come to Him because He's not only our substance, but He's our strength, He's our future, He's our everything. Now, there's some people that are just in it for the thrill. And there's churches that, that if they can keep enough going on, enough entertainment, uh, uh, enough activity, uh, uh, programs everywhere, if they can do that, they can draw some people's attention. That's not what your walk with the Lord is about. It's fun to be on the mountaintop. But you need to be close to God when you're in the valley. When things are not going well. When you're not sure about the future. You've got to know that He's there for you and He loves you. The crowd acknowledged Jesus as Savior, but you know what? Fifteen minutes later, that same group showed up on Friday. They watched the crucifixion. They remembered what had happened in the triumphal entry. But somehow they were at both events because it was something to watch. We have in, in the world today what I call religious rubberneckers. You know how there's an accident on the other side of the highway and everybody slows down to look at it? And you always say the same thing, ooh, that's horrible. Let me look again. And you're thankful you're not a part of that. And there are people that observe and watch, but they don't realize, as I told you earlier, that Soren Kierkegaard told us, we're not observers in the pew. We're participants being observed by God. And he watches what we do. And He influences what we will become. And it's so important for us to understand it. Let me, let me warn you about something, too. Sometimes in church, people try to describe church in terms of enthusiasm. And I want you to be enthusiastic. You can't help but do that. I mean, you, you, you've got to realize that. But enthusiasm followed by a action is wonderful. It's awesome. But enthusiasm, it ends right there, is meaningless. If you lack the motivation and conviction to go forward, you're hopeless. You will stay at Palm Sunday and never move on to Resurrection Sunday. You'll never understand what it's all about. You'll never grasp what God was doing for you. Lastly, I want to ask you this. Who are you in that parade? Watching Jesus go by. You're sitting here right now and we're recounting Jesus going by. We go from, from Christmas at the birth of our Lord all the way to Easter. And after his 30 years in a carpenter shop and his three years in a public ministry, and suddenly we're at Easter and we see what he's doing, how can we not understand what he's done for us? You can't do that. A group of small boys got together after church and they, they were all excited because they were going out to play ball in their neighborhood. 
they all took off out of their houses screaming and cheering and everything was wonderful and they had their gloves and they had their bat and one of them looked around and he said where's the ball and one of the other boys said forget the ball we're gonna have fun today some of us are like that you can't play baseball without a ball and sometimes we try to have a relationship with God without Jesus in our heart. You can't do that. You can read about it. You can study about it. You can even write about it. But it's meaningless. It's meaningless. We've got to have that relationship. The church can do many things. But it first must repent. We first must confess our sins. Young children understand this. You talk to a child about Jesus, and you look them in the eye and you say, are you a sinner? And they say, yes, I am. They understand about sin. When they're young, they realize because the idea of being caught doing something that you shouldn't do brings such a, a load of guilt on you when you're young. And you understand what it means to be a sinner, and you understand what it means when Jesus says, I died for you to free you from the penalty of that sin. But somehow when we get older, we deflect responsibility. We don't accept blame. We can make excuses for it. And we forget that we need to be saved. As a friend of mine said years ago, he said, my problem is not getting people saved, it's getting them lost first. Because so many people don't understand that they're lost. Dear friend, if you've not, at some point in your life, said, Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know that you died to save me on the cross, and I accept that gift, and I ask your Holy Spirit to come within me and guide me. If you've not prayed that prayer or something very close to that, then you're not a Christian. You may be a church member. You may do a lot of things, but, but you, you don't have a relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. People sometimes get frustrated with church, and I, I, I do. I mean, you know, we're, we're a crowd of people together. And for a year now, like I said, my frustration's been that I've looked at the empty seats that many of you should have been in, and I, I knew where you were. And if you let me know, we're, we're watching on the live stream. And others would say, we're listening to you on the radio on, on Alex FM 100.9. A few said, you know, I tried to listen to the radio and watch it on, on the live stream, and, and, and I said, yeah, it was like one of those Japanese movies when I was young. You know, Godzilla, never, they never seemed to get the voice and the action together. But you've watched and you've supported and you, you've come by and you've let us know where you are. But the reality is we're back together. What are we going to do? What is God going to lead us toward? Some people today here are sold out and others are just ticked off. You're upset about life. Some are enthusiastic and some are uninformed. You just don't know what to do. You're not sure. Jesus still wants to work in your life wherever you are. Years ago, I had to go through a multiplicity of, of uh, soul-winning uh, programs and, and there are more than I want to mention and some of them are downright scary but Bill Fay authored one of the greatest programs I've ever had called Share Jesus Without Fear 
And he talks in there at the beginning of the program about the new way that people deny Christ. And the way they deny Christ is keeping silent about Him. And a lot of us do that. There are a lot of Christians in this room, men and women, that you know about Jesus, you understand, you've asked Him into your heart, you've given your life over to Him, but the most frightening thing in the world to you would be walking up to a co-worker or a friend or a neighbor and, and saying, let me ask you, have you ever accepted Jesus into your heart? You'd rather ask them any question in the world than that. And yet, as Bill Faith says, that's the most important question if you really love somebody. I've stood beside the bed of many people when they were dying. And I can remember one man in particular. I began to share Jesus with him. He was in DeKalb Medical Center. And he was weeping. And after I gave him the, the plan of salvation and told him what Jesus had done for him, he looked at me and this is what he said. He said, I never knew that. I didn't realize Jesus died for me. I said, did you grow up in church? Oh, yes, I grew up in church. I knew the church he grew up in. His mother was a Sunday school teacher. Somehow she never presented the gospel to her son. At age 17, he ran away from home and lived a life of debauchery, spent most of his time in jail, and was dying of cirrhosis of the liver in his mid-30s. And I'm so thankful that God, perchance, sent me into his life to tell him. So please don't make that mistake. Don't overlook someone that you love. Don't you dare hold back the gospel from someone that needs it. If you and your people, your family, individually or collectively, don't evangelize, you fossilize. You become just a hard image of what you're supposed to be. You become cold and indifferent within because something about the fires of God's Holy Spirit working in you changes you. You realize that you're not the only one God loved, that He loved the world, that he, he died for the world. There's a story that I love to tell, and, and it's a true story. A little boy in Chattanooga, Tennessee, would get on the bus, and he would walk up from school, and he would stand on a corner, and there wasn't a bus stop. In fact, it said, no buses stop here. And he would wait for the bus. And the man that ran the grocery store there would walk, walk out and he said, Sonny, the bus doesn't stop here. He said, okay. And he stood there and he stood there and, and he kept looking and he went, he said, son, you're not going to get the bus there. It is not going to stop there. And about that time, the bus pulled up and the doors opened. And the little boy ran up and he hugged the bus driver and said, Daddy, thank you. And a very bewildered groceryman stood there and said, what do I know? Let me tell you something. If you're a child of the King, your assurance is so absolute that nobody can talk you out of it. Don't leave here today without knowing that. If you've never made that commitment before, today's the day to do it. No better place in this room is there to make that commitment. Because as you do, everyone here is praying for you. God will bless you. Let us pray. Oh, Father, we thank you so much.
that you give to us so great a salvation. But we've got to choose, Father. We've got to say yes. We've got to move forward. We can't simply sit there and expect the blessings to show up. We've got to take the initiative to show that we want to be saved, that, that we have made a decision in our heart and in our lives. And Father, I pray this morning if there's someone here within the sound of my voice that needs to make that decision, and they haven't, they need to personally ask Jesus into their heart. I pray that this would be the time to do it. And Lord, if there's someone here that, that simply needs to come forward and make a public profession of their faith, or they need to come forward and join the church or be baptized, Lord, speak to them today. May it be a time that they say, yes, Lord, and not no. That they don't say, I'll do it later, but they say, today is the day for decision. Father, speak to someone just now and give them the peace that passeth all understanding that they are obedient to you. For it's in your holy name we do pray, Lord. Amen.